Hi, Jim. Welcome Hi, to. How are you? <laughs> Great. Welcome to Teams Fridays. Um, Martin hopefully will join at some point. Uh, if not, that's cool. Uh, I'm Michael Tressler. I am a solutions consultant or something at Jabra and a former coworker and teammate of Jim. And uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Jim. And your last name is Bannock or Banach. Yeah, you got, you got you got it right the first time, which is yeah. No, I, I want to make it. We're, we're going to stick with that. So. All right. Yeah, you didn't butcher it too bad. So, uh, morning, everyone. Jim Bannock. I'm a security and compliance architect, as Mike said, former colleague in our Modern Work Center of Excellence. So great to be on today, and um, excited to talk about all things uh, Microsoft compliance and purview and privacy and whatever you may have to ask. And I do I know a little bit of teams. A little bit of teams? Like how to reply a to little. the proper I, like I, have, I have this background with this product called Link and Skype for Business. and Never heard of them. At some point, I used to know about all of these things. So we'll, we'll see if I can remember anything you might quiz me on. I, I, miss, I miss seeing you in Lisbon. We'll, we'll always have yeah. Lisbon. <laughs> We will always have nice, delicious food. Yeah. So what's a purview? Purview. Purview. Um, purview. Purview is like a real word. Like people use the word purview and then Microsoft took it and is making it yeah. their own. What, what I have found is also it, it's not a word that uh, translates outside of English sometimes. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's, it's kind of a tough word in English. So, <laughs> so, so, so Microsoft purview... Um, is our suite of tools that are focused on data security, insider risk management, uh, regulatory compliance. You know, prior to last year when we brought that name into existence, we had a bunch of tools um, that were out there, and we kind of loosely put them in Microsoft compliance uh, as the bucket. And what you found is you say the word compliance, it means 100 things to 100 different people. And, you know, sometimes people get scared, like, ooh, compliance, that's the, that's the lawyer problem. That's the GDPR problem. I don't want to get my hands into that. And what you find when you're actually talking to groups, is they're super concerned about what, are, what data do I have in my environment? Is it sensitive? Are there people doing not so nice things with my data, either maliciously or accidentally? And does what I'm doing have an effect on all those hundreds of regulations I may keep on? So we had all these various things that came to various stakeholders in in the business. So we decided, hey, let's call it Microsoft Purview. And I, I like to kind of say, and I am not the marketer, so don't don't knock me on this one, but it's kind of the having that overview or purview of your entire data estate wherever it exists. So that, that's the other important piece is this kind of grew up from the Microsoft 365 space of, you know, all the Word documents and data and Teams chats that you have going on and emails. But you also have uh, data that's in AWS, that you have in GCP. Oh, wait, you're going, you're, wait, this goes beyond just Azure and Microsoft 365, yeah. the happy so little Microsoft kind of, bubble? It gets outside yeah. the bubble? 
Yeah, we're, we're outside the bubble here um, because, you know, that's the thing is organizations that are have to do this are like saying, I can't just worry about my data in OneDrive and SharePoint. I have to care about all that potentially sensitive data, like credit cards and information all over the place and what people are doing with it. So that extends down to, you know, Google and Amazon and Box and file servers that you have kicking around. So you've really got a broad range of tools. So it all kind of intersects with how, how people are interacting with all this data. And I think that's the useful part as we kind of bring it into you're talking about things related to Microsoft Teams. So getting into those third-party ones, how do you like how, how do you handle like box? Is it just controlling the end you the, the end users, the, the endpoint clients? Because you can't, I mean, unless box is partnered with us, like Google yes. and Microsoft. So how do you get how, how, what is yeah, that? You can this is where things get those. kind of fun. Um <laughs> you know, we actually have a really robust ecosystem. Um, so a couple ways you can deal with it. Some tools, uh, let's say you've got WhatsApp and you need, you want to kind of monitor the communication in WhatsApp, or you need to keep it for X reasons because apparently people don't use teams for talking to their friends and family yet, even though. Okay. For friends and family, that is correct. No one uses teams for, no one uses teams (laughs) family. (laughs) Right. But, but you may need to keep it, especially in finance. Um, You know, they're, they're maybe using Bloomberg, WhatsApp, whatever. So we've got connectors that just pull the data into exchange mailboxes and kind of keep it behind the scenes. So it can be discovered with e-discovery and and other tools. Um, When we start talking about box and Dropbox, now we've got a couple pieces of one we've got tools like our dlp product that exists on endpoints and in the cloud so we can actually know if i'm uploading a file from my desktop that's got sensitive information to third-party sites and stop it give you a nasty gram uh just so, record it so like how do you, how do you stop it so I mean, is it just is it a tie into windows but you're also talking mac i yeah, you know mac, I, mac, I mac actually works too so we have endpoint data loss prevention for Windows, Windows, it's built in Windows 10, Windows 11. Like you don't actually have to install anything else. Um, Mac has a small installer, but the same functionality. So if someone, you know, is just keeping a bunch of things locally on their computer, we can still apply those same protections. But where things get really cool is now we've got, and this is where I think purviews need is that we're taking advantage of whether it's Teams or Enter, which is our identity stuff, or Defender, which is our security stuff. We're taking advantage of all of those various signals that are out there to get a picture. So we use Defender for cloud apps, which is our solutions to kind of know what's going on in other other clouds or can't think of the actual word. I'm not a <laughs> deep security guy. But we can look and say, hey, you're doing things in Box. Is that allowed? Do we want to force multi-factor authentication when you're doing it? Are we going to straight up prevent it? Uh, you, you know, copying and pasting information into box. So we kind of tie all those pieces together and we can say, oh, you can only do it for sensitive information. You can only do it for, you know, personal information. Um, so, so that's kind of how we can tie into a lot of those third party. And then when I talked about like AWS, we can actually scan you know, your databases in there and say, do they contain sensitive information? Does this need to be 
potentially looked at deeper. So your data security officer needs to know where all this stuff is. And generally it's spread all over. And that's a lot of it. That first step is just what data do I have out there? So it's a combination of really working at the OS level, not the client app level. So it's like, hey, we see a file copy. doesn't matter if it's going to box, OneDrive, or just from the C drive to the D drive. We're going to see what that action is and see if it's okay because it's a file copy. And then just, for lack of a better word, penetration testing, external penetration testing, just kind of scanning databases, scanning remote endpoints and seeing if... I I wouldn't call it penetration, but it is kind of taking a look at the information in those databases. We're not copying them. We're leaving them at right. rest. No, no organization wants to spend the oodles of money it's going to cost to move data in and out of Azure if they don't have to. But we're right. taking a look, making that data map and saying, hey, you've got sensitive information in these OneDrive sites. You've got it in this PCP account. You have it in Amazon S3 buckets let's at least know it's there so that you can make sure you put the proper safeguards in place for it. Um, the other part too, is we actually do, we do have some app level protection. So you've got kind of that baseline windows that we talked about. So prevent stuff from going to USB keys or being printed. Even that's another one, you know, you never want someone just kind of printing out all your secret plans for the next big AI innovation but we can do that at a browser level. So we've got Edge does it natively, um, which is really nice. But we've got plugins for both Chrome and Firefox to do that same thing of making sure that the things we're uploading, we're doing in browser apps are following our sensitive data guidelines. And then this also applies then to iOS and Android, right? There's some level of agent yeah. getting, yeah. There. Yeah. getting there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think right right now, if you're working in the native apps, an office in there, you've got it. Some of it's limited by what, you know, the, those groups can do um, as well. But, you know, that I think that's the, the thing we found is I need to protect my data no matter where it lives, and I need to know what users are doing with it no matter where it lives. And that's kind of the impetus of, of everything we're trying to do with the, with the purview suite. When I hear compliance, I think pretty much just finance. How wrong am I? Um, you, you think of it, you've got this little corner down here, and <laughs> compliance can mean so much. Things. Like I said, I could ask 50 people what compliance means to them, and I'll get 50 different answers. Um, you know, think of here, here in the, you know, you and I are both based in the U.S., so when I think compliance, I think finance, I think healthcare with HIPAA regulations, right. but regulated industries. Um, power generation, nuclear. So they've got regulatory controls like NERC and FERC. Um, and then maybe you've got, you know, like you said, finance. We've got banking. We've got groups that are dealing with um, government projects in ITAR. All those are all those are government regulations. And, you know, then you've got various state ones. Or in Europe, we've got, obviously, GDPR, which essentially right. covers the whole world at this point. So those are all regulations, and they say what needs to be protected, what needs to be done with data, how to respond to a breach, how to safely handle it, but they don't say what tools you need to implement to do it. They just give you a bunch of what are called controls. It says you need to have a incident response plan. You need to make sure that sensitive data is protected. They don't say how to do it. 
Right. So you've got all so these regulations. Yeah, so, so if you get audited, you can say, look, according to point seventeen dot two, it says we need to be able to respond and to I've whatever. Got, and here's my powers and box that says I've right. done this. And we've actually got a tool that helps you track that called compliance manager. Because those regulations, um, California's privacy law is a great example. It just got updated last year, like a big sweeping change. You may have been on trying to get compliant for a month, a year, you've got so far, and now all these things change. How do I know which rules change? And am I suddenly out of compliance or not? So we actually go through all, about 300 different regulations and keep them up to date. So if something changes, you get notified. You can keep all that evidence that says, oh, I have a place to secure my chats. I'm in finance. I'm keeping a log of them. I now have all the evidence and people signing off. So it's kind of a a tracking tool built in. And when we do have hooks, like, you know, it doesn't say I've protected my accounts. I've turned on multi-factor authentication. If I'm doing that, we have hooks into product, um, our own products that says, yes, those are actually turned on. They're working. I have DLP policies created. I have conditional access policies created. I have a place where, you know, all of my documents are stored. So technical controls, we can actually automate. And then all those soft controls, like do I have a data privacy officer? You can track, you just track those as well. And if somebody changes a rule, we we notify you about it. So compliance is broad. Um, and whether you're talking to someone that's concerned about data security, or you're talking to a lawyer, or you're talking to a privacy officer, it probably is coming at it from three different types of angles. It seems like this is a massive bunch of data. Tracking, you know, if, if I'm a, if I'm a, whatever, com- user that's has to be compliant with whatever HIPAA and whatever, yeah. everything I do is being logged and tracked just to make sure I'm not doing anything wrong. How, how do you fish through all that when you need to, or where's all this data stored? How much data is it stored? How much do I have to pay for Azure space? How does the data storage and data tracking and reporting work? So this is, First, I think the the interesting thing is every place has signals on what's going on. And if I'm a user, I don't want to know how, like, every email I send has to be tracked. So a part of what we're doing is how do we reduce the friction? How do we use the machine learning we have in Azure and Microsoft 365 to say, oh, this file contains credit card numbers or this file contains driver's license numbers, or you've got a bunch of code in this, and we've determined code <laughs> is a is sensitive, is sensitive information for our organization. Right. So a lot of our teams has spent a lot of time building what we call class, trainable classifiers, both ones that you can train and ones that are out of the box to identify all these things. So an end user doesn't have to like know and say, oh, this is this type of sensitive information. We try to at least make a first educated guess on it. And then we get into the, okay, you can always override it and say, this is more important. But identifying that sensitive, what's sensitive in an organization is super important. Where you and I are going to lunch next week, probably not sensitive information, but there's probably 20 emails and another 10 chats about that. But when I send you the information of the next project we're doing, or I've got a team site set up for that, I want to define that sensitivity and I want to make sure that 
if I'm not super up to date and I didn't watch all my privacy training. I was supposed to. <laughs> Who does? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you remember the Microsoft ones. They're rather entertaining. They actually work um, really good. They were way better than they, they, they were well. They're they're well produced pieces of material with nice gag reels and the whole thing. I was going to interrupt real quick for people who don't know. What we're talking about the compliance videos at Microsoft were like Hollywood level to the point that a guy named Nelson had like a T-shirt in the company store. So yeah. it got like that. It's it got like rare. that fuzzy, and people were rewatching it like a Netflix show, and like I'm have I rewatched season one the other day and blah blah blah. So there, there are there are threads on Twitter about ooh. New compliance videos have dropped. Must go watch this. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so looking at the sensitive information and trying to make it easier for users, because where we used to see these type of projects all the time is I have a data labeling program because I'm in insurance and I need to make sure I know what's sensitive, what isn't. Telling someone they have to manually click a button Every time they make a new file open, like they get they click the long thing. So how do we automate it? How do we go back to the petabytes of data that's out there? So, but all that information is stored in like what data is there and it can be searched. That's where Microsoft Graph, that powers Teams, that powers SharePoint, that powers everything under the sun. <laughs> we store all that. We, we look at what's in the unified audit log. We query it via things like graph so we can put all those signals together so we can find out not only is Mike making, you know, working with sensitive information, but hey, you just downloaded a whole bunch of them to your local computer, named them, zipped them up, and sent them out to your best friend's Gmail account. Like, on, on the surface, any one of those activities is probably benign. But right. when you put them all together, now you have a pattern of activities. And I'm drawing on my desk that nobody can see, here, which makes perfect sense. Um, but that's the underlying kind of goal behind insider risk management is data loss prevention is really great at point in time. I have sensitive information. I need to stop someone from doing it. But it's always a balance between productivity and security. Because if and, you make it too hard, shadow IT pops right exactly. up. Exactly. And if I make it too easy, what's the point? All hot, all hot <laughs> breaks loose. So we kind of said, okay, we can't just be super draconian in DLP policy. And that's what you used to see. So we said, okay, people have relaxed us. They've made hundreds of rules. And then they use things like insider risk to actually determine what's the intent of, of someone out there. But we took it the next piece, and this was a big announcement we had just about a month and a half ago, is previously you used to have to kind of identify who were your sensitive people and who were not and respond to everything to maybe put them in different classifications. What we have now that works in DLP, that works with insider and insider risk together, is this idea of adaptive protection. So say you're on a special project dealing with confidential information or sensitive information, but you're not doing anything malicious, but you need to handle all this information to get your job done. Fine. I'm going to let you do it. Maybe you're working with a partner organization and I need to send you our latest plans for the latest, you know, schemes room system that's coming out. 
Uh, I was thinking space laser that's going to dominate the planet. But okay, Team's Room System is cool too. I'm trying to keep it relevant for the audience. <laughs> Maybe everybody watching wants to see space lasers. I don't know. Um, wow. Man, you didn't tell me we were going to just have these weird segues. I, I, I told, well, one, you know me. And, <laughs> um, and two, who doesn't want to talk about space lasers? That's true. I mean, if you don't want to talk about space lasers, then you're not my friend. It's why Gold and I came back on Xbox, so we can See? all play with the lasers. Correct. Moonraker lasers are where it was at. Um, but anyways, so so I'm yeah. dealing with the uh, back on topic. I'm dealing with yeah, something with topic. a third party organization, and we're working on a new right. teams room. So, so you're doing this. You're, you're part of a team, but me and I'm part of the team. But I put in my resignation this week. I still need to do my work. But now I've used Insider Risk and all those connectors to tie into my HR system and says, Jim's put in his resignation. I'm automatically going to elevate him to the high risk bucket. So he can't send information out there. Or maybe I've captured that I've been downloading a ton of information. The platform now can identify riskier users based on level of behavior, right. automatically put them in a more restrictive bucket or a less restrictive bucket without an administrator having to go in and move them around. So this adaptive protection works again because we can look at those signals of what is happening with the data and make at least an informed decision to cut down on the administrative time of responding to a million alerts that essentially come in and all these tools. Like you said, how do I get a handle on this? The handle is you let kind of the, the machine learning and the AI at least take a first stab at it. You said the two letters first, but I've had the thought. I heard a thing the other day about chat GPT can now look for security flaws in your databases. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because it can write, you can already write PowerShell code, but now it's like, because it knows what a proper database should look like, and then there's variances, and it's like, hey, maybe these tables should be locked down or whatever. Right, and I think this is the... I've got a feeling with Microsoft chat GPTing of all the things, if it isn't there yet, it's coming, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's training that model obviously to look at information and figure out what is sensitive for my organization. You know, previously, you know, maybe you had a bunch of contract forms. You would upload them into those trainable classifiers and say, these are what contract forms look like for us. Make sure nothing bad happens to them. Automatically encrypt them. Make sure that they can't be sent outside. I think it would be really cool if, you know, ChatGPT could just look at all your information and says, these look like contract forms. So I don't have to go and pre-train. Right, and tell it what it is. Yeah, I think seen, that's... It's in a planet's worth of public contract right. forms. Or, or this looks look like, at, this looks like know, these things I've seen 10,000 of before. I, I've seen the other one where I think is actually really cool is, you know, I was reading a bunch of white papers last week because that's how I fall asleep. I would say because you couldn't sleep. Yeah, because I couldn't sleep. But I think, you know, the one is... I can right now, I can go to ChatGPT and say, summarize this for me. Um, and I think that's probably the, I think that's one of the cooler methods of ChatGPT. It's like, you could have a bunch of dashboards and, or reports and say, hey, ChatGPT, tell me everything, like, summarize this whole page for me. Really short. And, you know, maybe it'll hallucinate. We, we don't know. I'm, I'm not going to ask it to get, you know, existential life questions yet. Because I think that's, going to cause some problems you know i'm not going to ask you know if it knows what the answer to life the world and everything is although i it's hope it would know that. yeah i i, I hope it would know that 
But it's also the universe, not the world. But you know, now, now I'm being diverse, multiverse, <laughs> metaverse, um, life, the metaverse, and everything. If all all the verses, and then you start verse jumping or, or whatever you do now. So and then verse, chorus, verse. You're writing a, a pixie song. So yeah, or, or you watch. Um, you know, I know the the Academy Awards are Sunday. Off topic again. Yeah. Saw the um, everything, everything all at once, or last night. Might need to rewatch that to actually figure out what happened. I probably should rewatch the first time. So I kind of started watching that movie twice. I had it on for like the first eight minutes. I'm like, nah, what? What? The laundromat? I don't get it. And then I took the time to watch it, and I'm like, this movie is yeah. Once like the first fifteen minutes, I was like, oh wow, this is yeah. The first it's like a mother daughter whatever, and then next thing you know, you end up with like the most insane. It's insane, and then they're quoting like song lyrics from the early 2000s which was that was my wife was like why are you laughing i'm like don't worry about it yeah <laughs> and Wonderful. being a big i'm zoomed out big talking heads fan david byrne has is, is uh, for his second academy award for uh the for for music in a film yes yeah well, from everything everywhere all at once yeah that, the soundtrack is great the I'm upset i didn't watch that movie before but i'm like all right everyone's talking about this and it's not just because Short Round was in it. So, speaking of everything, everywhere, all at once, and compliance. Look, look, see how we brought this back together. What What is your favorite? What is your favorite tool in the whole purview thing to handle everything? Everywhere, like if you were, if you because it was like a like a government office. It's been like six months since I've seen it. A lot of a lot of the action happens trying to get a, a government thing. So if you're if you're trying to protect the everything everywhere all at once of that government office, what's your favorite tool that you would you would use I, first? Like what's what gets you excited? What's the first white paper you're gonna read given a stack of five? I think that the first thing I would tackle if I was charged in an organization with understanding what's in my data state is a mix of kind of a few pieces. One, um, use something like Content Explorer, which is just there in Office 365 and say, show me what sensitive information, show me if I have credit cards, show me if I have data that hasn't been touched in three years, find out kind of just how much is out there. That's step one. I I need to know what's sensitive in my organization. Then I need to know what are people doing with that data? Is it malicious? Is it not? And we've got a really great kind of quick use tool called Insider Risk Analytics that can that looks at your Office 365 environment and gives you a report completely anonymized. So you don't know who it is at this point, but you would know, hey, you've got 20% of your users are downloading files and uploading them to third-party platforms. Like really macro level things that are completely, the word we use is pseudo-anonymized. <laughs> you can it, you cannot trace that back to a user unless you have very appropriate permissions to do so, which a global NIT admin does not have by default. Um, and then from there, then you start building what my plan is to actually wrap my hands around it. So the first thing I would always do is let's just do a little bit of data discovery at a high level, figure out how big my problem could be. Don't think you're going to find the analytics thing on here. Um, but insider I, I mean, behind, risk. This is what you were talking about. I'm still right. to look them up and try to listen and find a thing. Oh, there it is. Analytics. 
Oh, right there on the page. We did put together. So I don't know if we can zoom in, but I think it's, you don't have to configure anything. That's what's really nice. Like you go in there, you click one button and a day later, it gives you kind of a snapshot of what type of activities are being performed. And it's all powered by the audit log that's already there. I got to figure this is, this is, this is a button that, Everybody wants the information. The customer wants the information, but nobody wants to click the button to go because it, you're because now you're about to know what you don't know. So, so this is kind of funny. We actually have heard from customers that says, "I don't want to deploy this during a demo or a workshop before I choose implement it because if I find something, then I have to deal with it." Right. Like like we have had customers tell us that which I found kind of interesting. Don't you want to know? Because ignorance is not a exception in a lot of these regulations. Like, <laughs> yeah, ignorance of the law is not, yeah. Yeah, I actually saw one, a rule or an article today that said there was a company in Ireland that had a ransomware event. And then the EU sued them because during their response to clean up the ransomware event and make it, so users could work again. They didn't take proper data privacy protections oh, they just during the response. Right. So it's like, make sure your OPSEC is locked <laughs> down and documented to a T because if you make a mistake there, you are still in violation of a lot of these data privacy laws that are out there. So if you're saying, oh, I'm locked. I need to get this database back online. So right. I can do whatever money. it takes. Right. And if you're like, oh, I'm in the middle of an incident, let me just back it up and let me share the whole thing with you over Teams. Probably not the right way to do it. Don't put it on your like personal OneDrive account and say, everybody go here because it's not locked up. You're going to get yourself in trouble. But yeah, I think that that's a that's an important part is just understanding the landscape of what's going on first before you try to implement a bunch of policies or do legal investigations or anything like that, like take some small baby steps because these things for enterprise companies, sometimes these projects take months or years to. I was was about to ask you how long does it take, but it's like, okay, what industry are you in? How large is your organization? How well are you run? How many many grains of sand are in the beach? Type right. things because yeah, all beaches are just like this small beach around the corner. <laughs> Either way, there's billions of them. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, that that's a it's a loaded question, and even where to start is sometimes a, a loaded loaded question. I think that's what you're seeing in a lot of the products we're building. Are you, everybody's at a different stage of their maturity? You know, if we think back to when digital transformation was the hot buzzword, it's like let's always meet you where you are. Some people were digital natives. Some had years of things. Um, so everybody's needs were different. And we're trying to tackle that same way with with purview and, and what it can bring in, in data compliance. Sensitivity labels. Um, yeah. at Microsoft, it, they were there, but I was like, you know, we, have, we had the same rough job. They were there, but like, uh, I'm just going to leave them as default, which is you're nobody important. So you don't have to worry about it much. <laughs> What I remember from sensitivity labels from what, because I am an Azure information uh, security, whatever, Azure, Azure security certified person. I hope it's expired. But what I remember is. It's a uh, renewal. It's, it's still. There. I'm not going to renew it. I'm not going to renew it. 
Um, what I remember, sensitivity labels can be done automatically. So it's like what you said, you point it at all your files and you say, go look. And do you see in these documents, social security numbers, or do you see right. PII? If so, tag it at this automatically. And then let the end, you know, obviously there's end user training and then end users can, you know, maybe adjust or adjust. Oh, you, this was a, a training document. So it's not technically PII. This is an example of what PII is we can train. So let's lower it up and down. How, how much of a, pain in the corporation are sensitivity labels and tracking them and training them. And once you have a decent hierarchy or, or a classification, what, what, it, what does it unlock? So how right. hard is it to implement? And then what's the, what's the win after you do it? What I would say on sensitivity labels is don't overthink it. Um, at Microsoft, we have a handful, uh, maybe about depending on your role, five or six, enterprise-wide. I have heard organizations that have asked, well, what's the limit on sensitivity labels that you can do? Because we potentially have the need for hundreds. If you have, a hundred, if you have hundreds of sensitivity labels, that means no one's going to know what to do with them. Correct. And it, it's not going to make sense in the course of your business. So keep it, I always say, keep it simple. Like make a general label that is like, hey, this is safe. You can share it um, internally without a problem. You can share it with approved partners. Maybe you have something that's even laxer that says, here's a label that says, this is meant for total public consumption. Um, but usually general is like, yeah, this is company IP, but you know, there's nothing sensitive. Then you've got you know confidential that says NDA only, then maybe super top secret, but you, you tend to kind of keep it simple. Once you have that, for a lot of organizations, that is what trips people up from getting started at all. That's why I say, just understand what sensitive information you have and what people are doing before you try to build a label taxonomy, which is the technical term for that, because those taxonomies generally will involve non-technical people. That's where you're asking your HR department. That's where you're asking your legal department, your compliance department. And then they're going to come back and say, you're going to say, hey, legal department, what labels do I need? And they're going to be like, what are labels? And now you've got that wonder if you're not an expert in this in your organization, but you were just tasked with doing it. Now you've got to go hire the expensive consultant to help you build it. And weeks and months later, you may have a taxonomy that's useful. So, but you want that. Like getting to a label taxonomy and an ability to mark your data unlocks a bunch of stuff. Now yeah, I can so say, so like, it's like it's like next level. We have we have defeated the first level boss. You've now got more powerful. Right. Now I've got my it. now I've got my labels, and I've determined what's sensitive. Now I can turn on the auto labeling, so I can say go and scan all of my SharePoint sites and all of my data that's sitting at rest there, and based on what's in them, make a first best guess on what that information is. The really cool part is the minute I open a file and I go to save it it automatically is going to get processed. So even if you've got a bunch of old data that has been touched, you know you need to get to it. At least the stuff I'm actively working on gets processed first. So now I, then I can put in data loss prevention rules. I can turn on, say, you can't print this information. You can't forward it. All the, the rights management that's in there. And I'm a user and I can say, oh, well, 
you thought this was confidential because it had a bunch of employee names in it. But in reality, this is benign stuff. It's the company phone least, directory. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making the educated decision at that point. But at least we've we've got table stakes of a data is labeled. And that's a big thing here at Microsoft is every document we save at least gets some sort of label on it. And it shows up right in Word at the top and if you're running the new versions the former, with the big shield and a color code. As a former Microsoft employee, I just kept it at default. So I'm like, I'm not going to yep. fight yeah, this. And very rarely have I ever had a need to change it either. Now, I was working on a dashboard and it immediately told me, hey, you've got confidential information in here. I didn't have to do anything, but everything I've touched with it was flagged and it gives me big warning messages that said you're doing it. But then you can also say, oh, it's sensitive. Maybe I got to put a watermark on this. Like those are all those things that are built into Office or Adobe um, with PDFs that allow you to kind of just automatically, you want to make it simple for people to do this and just have them aware they're handling sensitive data, but don't expect they need to read a 50 page manual on what to do with it. So when I hear all this, I'm thinking I have to bring in a consultant. Um, how, how, what's, how, how, how steep is the learning curve? It seems like there's just so many things. And even though I'm not a security person and I, my company would have a compliance department that would know the basics of all this, it seems like there's just a lot to it. There, there can be. But I think for most, you know, we're talking the most complex enterprises in some of these edge cases here. You know, Michael Tressler Co. Correct. A worldwide leader in space lasers. Exactly. Which does get into government contracts. Just let you know. We we have compliance needs. You you want to make sure that you know what information you have and what's happening with it. We've made it really, by default, we have some basic DLP policies. We have some basic information labels that, right when you start things up, if you don't go and configure anything, we at least set a baseline for you. Because that's really important to set that baseline. And and then we get to, you know, let's say, you know, we don't want to share data or we want to prevent issues in Microsoft Teams. Those, those, that DLP policy for Teams that says, I can't send employee social security numbers over Teams, like, I can turn that on really easily. Like, we've tried to make it, I think that's been the big improvement as we've announced Purview and we're continually evolving the tools is we're trying to lower that barrier to entry so that you don't need that high priced advisory consultant group at hundreds of dollars an hour to even get started. You may need them to do all your adoption and change and roll this out enterprise wide because you're, you as a IT pro are probably, or an InfoSec pro are probably not skilled in change management at enterprise scales, but you can at least start things. Start small. Don't think you need to, you know, use a horrible buzzword, boil the ocean at once. Like, you, you just, like I said, just identify what you have sensitive in there and start with that and then kind of build from there. You started, I thought you were going to talk about it, but you went a little different direction. And I, and this is Teamsy, but... I do but, know Teams, kind of. Kind of? It's a really great tool to talk with my mom on the Teams family. It's got such a great new interface. No. Um, ethical walls or information barriers in Teams. Um, how does that work? So I, I think I, this is, there's a couple of things here of one, do you have like 
business requirements. Like you, you're, you're a big conglomerate. You're conglomico now. Well, we are the world's, the, the universe's leader in space lasers. So. Right. So you buy every space laser company in every galaxy. Uh, but correct. You can't, the galaxies can't talk to each other. We buy and we buy every every space laser everywhere all at once. Right. Yeah, but you don't want the marketing space laser people to know what the R and D space laser people are doing. You don't want to know they even work for the same company sometimes. So that's where you can do, and what this used to be called ethical walls. I think that's existed back since the OCS days. Um, but we've evolved it, and it's it's called information barriers. So that is, I could not send an IM. I don't know. I can't see them in the address list. I can't send a file to them. Like, here, just stop it. Like, like we don't even give it an option. So that's kind of the, I'll call that the sledgehammer approach to preventing cross-company communication. But, you know, we do know that sometimes that needs to happen. Sometimes personal information does need to get shared. So we've got layers beyond that in our Priva suite, which is our privacy-related suite of tools, that can do conflict of interest checking or sharing data between departments and send alerts to admins or educate a user that says, hey, you're handling information in a way that probably doesn't align with what the business requirements are. So depending on the product you're using, information barriers is kind of the hard block. I don't allow anything to traverse. Um, I don't even allow the other company to exist. You see that a lot in maybe companies that are doing M&As or trying to spin people off. You know, they, they want every company they own to be highly segmented, but it's one Office 365 environment. But I think what tends to happen more commonly is you don't want the sales team talking to the R&D team, or you don't want the traders on the floor talking to other departments that may be, you know, making, you know, various financial decisions. So those you can do things like communication compliance or privacy risk management to just audit them, alert them, track them, but not outright block them um, at first, unless you really need to. So having been an OCS link Skype person, my concept of information barriers is this person cannot chat or call that person. Yep. That's the baseline. Yeah. What I'm getting from you is it goes beyond that, that this person cannot see this document at all. Like you're not allowed to open it. It's it's, now it becomes the, this person can normally talk to this person, but they can't talk about these things with this person. Wait. So so if I see you in the address book and we start up the thing, and as soon as I say a magic catchphrase that like deletes that chat, it, sense, it, it would delete that chat. So if I start sharing passwords with you in chat, or I start sharing things about some secret project, right? I mentioned it, code word laser space. Yeah, you could, yeah. You've built that sensitive information type. Sometimes they're out of the box. Sometimes they're you know ones that you can build, and you say nope, that can't happen. So that's I think that's the power of. You're not blocking, you know, that's that slider of security right, versus right. productivity is you're not blocking it outright, but we're doing it and we're being alerted when those things are happening. Like right. information so, barriers just stops it from happening. And that 
could lead to, like we talked earlier, shadow IT. In this case, let them do it, but at least give me awareness to what's happening and educate them that what they're doing is maybe not right so that they may change their behavior. Because a lot of times it's not malicious. It's accidental. Like you and I are just really excited about space lasers. Don't, I mean, who isn't? But we may not know that we're not allowed to share certain levels of information. So we want to train people as much as we do keep them secure. So do sensitivity labels tie into this? Because what what prevents, let's say I'm on the R&D team for, you know, our next generation of space laser and you're in marketing and you're not, you don't need to know anything about that. You don't need to be anything about that. But I forward our specs onto whatever the the production, you know, the team that's going to have to build this. And then someone forwards it to marketing. So now I didn't send it directly to you. It goes through third party. Is that where sensitivity labels come in? This thing's been tagged, space laser. It's been tagged, rights management maybe. It might be encrypted. It may say only these certain people can open it. Um, And that persists through the document. So that's the other nice part. It's not stored in the tenant. All this sensitivity information is stored on the document itself. So if I send it outside it will, especially the encryption levels, it will come back to my tenant and it will say, hey, this document can only be opened by these people. You're not on the list. Too bad for you. And think of it, that expands down. So when I make a team, if I've configured it, I can build a, I can set a sensitivity label that says this is private. This is public. This is ultra top secret. Right. Everything I make in that file path in there gets caught with that label. I have a default label that maybe applies to all of those documents. So just by the nature of putting it in that folder, a sensitivity label is set. Now I can say, okay, if I'm working on the super top secret project, I don't have to remember to label everything, but I also can feel at least a level of comfortable that if someone that is supposed to see it accidentally forwards it to someone else, it's not going to get out in the open, even though I may have a ethical barrier that says I, I in sales can't talk to R&D but that person in, you know, the executive leader that happens to send it to too many people, you know, it's not going to get out into the hand. So we try to make the data handling a little more automated. And that's where kind of sensitivity labels drive in. And that's Microsoft information protection, previously Azure information protection, previously life management, you know, n- name in there. But that's where all those pieces come together. And it all starts with just knowing what's sensitive in your environment. How many products are in purview? Sounds like about 32. Actually, 42. Um, that's the right number. Less than there are um, names for Microsoft Teams features. There's less than there are names for Microsoft Teams features. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we've got a. Now, now you're going to like put me on the spot and make me look that up. But I'm not um, an exact answer, but it just seems yeah, like we've got about management for, and, and yeah, I for, think we've and, got and about you mentioned intra and pri- priva and other made up words. Yeah. So, so you've got the big ones are Microsoft Information Protection. That's rights management. That's um, sensitivity labels. That's document tagging. That's labeling. Then you've got data loss prevention. And that works on Windows, on Mac, on um, data that's on browsers, and all the data that's stored in Microsoft 365. You've got insider risk. 
which is about what are people doing with the data and pulling signals in from various places. And I can know if they leave a company, if I tie in my HR system, for example. Communication compliance, which is all about, I want to make sure we're doing things that are, you know, above and board with HR policy. So I can't call you nasty four-letter words in chat or other... Well, you can say it straight to my face. I mean, that's... Right. But, you know, we're, we're working on those type of pieces. Right. Um, so those are kind of the the core piece. And we've got things like e-discovery that have been around forever. But that was kind of where a lot of these compliance features grew out from. Um, what else do we got that's really... Those, those are kind of the big pieces in there. Um, we talked data loss prevention. Microsoft Priva is interesting because a lot of people put privacy and compliance together. But for Microsoft, it's actually a separate set of products. So that's brand new as of about a year ago. But that's where we've got subject. If someone says, I need to be forgotten, that subject rights request that GDPR lets you do. Or I need to just make sure users are handling private data properly. That's Priva. So you think Priva, it's privacy. Purview is all things regulatory data security. Um, we talked about compliance manager, um, kind of keeping track of all the regulations right. that are... Right. Yeah. Which seems like a really useful, super useful tool. It's super useful and it's a super unknown tool. Like if I'm a consultant, it's great because I can go in there and say, okay, here's all the things I need to improve for you, Mr. Customer. If I'm a customer, I'm like, I, I, I don't, I'm not an expert on government regulations. Tell me where to start. Uh, it, it's kind of like a decoder ring almost of how do all the things I need to do in Microsoft world match the regulations. And that's actually, we give you a lot of recommendations very much. Like if you ever use secure score. Um, oh, within, uh, within, within, within the security side of things, we've got a compliance score in compliance manager. We tell you, okay, how good are you doing on all of your regulations? So, you know, and, and those are getting tighter together. So now we're pulling signals from Defender and how you're doing with your endpoint security into all of that. Then we've got the Azure side of all. So that's all the M365 sides. Now we've got all the data sides in Azure. And that's, you know, the data map, data governance, where we're kind of extending it outside the Microsoft 365 world of things. And that's... I, I trust this sizzle video because they're using Megan Bowen. Everybody's Who's, using Megan Bowen is the greatest IT person in the history. Have you ever of seen her Twitter account? Yes. She's snarky. Well, I mean, when you're the best, you've earned it. Yeah. She's earned some snark. I, I mean, my jam's more of a uh, Nestor Wilkie. You know, you're, you're a Nestor Wilkie person? He's a little more nefarious, and I think he tries to get around things versus, you know, Megan's kind of like the... You know, I am the best person in the company type thing. So this is an old video. So maybe we should. Oh, this not. is a little old? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. that one's a little old. <clears throat> um, but yeah. Four I, years I, ago. I, yeah, this is old. You know, uh, you need to tell the purview people we need some more sizzle videos because there's there's none for this. There's no sizzle in Microsoft compliance. I mean, if, if you can figure out how to make compliance sexy, if I can use that word on our live stream here. You can. Um, then, so this is what it looked like four years ago. 
<laughs> yeah. The, the the general idea here is, but the, the scoring has gotten better. We've got a lot more assessments that are available. So but yeah, you can see um, here, here's your GDPR score and right. whatever ISO and NIST and whatever scores. So yeah. Gets, those gets are kind of idea. table stakes, but yeah, we've got like the California consumer privacy. Australians got data protection. Brazil actually has some really strong data privacy rules that are out there. So we've got all those regulations. We're keeping them up to date. Um, Lockbox also falls in the purview suite of things um, for, for those of you that are using it and you may not have known you were using a purview tool. So I, I, is that like the, the Azure lockbox thing? Yeah, it's the customer lockbox. So if I have to call support, then right. there's an additional chain of things that need to happen before a support engineer can help out. Yeah. But again, it's all about you control your data, you control your information. Um, we haven't talked a ton about it, but um, records management for those in, and data lifecycle or it, data lifecycle management are kind of the, the last piece that round this out. So if I'm a company and I have a policy that says, I must delete all data after a year. No email exists after 30 days because, I, I don't know, there's, there's those type of rules. Um, yes. Jim, this, we, we, we can't, don't do mean to interrupt, but I'm so excited because we have not just purview, but we have what looks to be a space I'm station. A space station. I think <laughs> there I finally are no found, lasers in this video. I finally, found this, I finally found the video, a space laser that's going to blow up the farm. No. But yeah, but again, using Microsoft Purview. This is the sizzle video I've been looking for. It tells me absolutely nothing, but it looks cool. new. Um, th- this was part of a big event when we had introduced adaptive protection last month. But the whole idea is you've got regulations all over, you have data all over. How, how do you wrap your hands around it? And that's Microsoft Purview at its essence that finds your data, helps you map it to all the regulations, and give you a better view of the data. So for people who want to get started on this, where do you start? Like, where's like, there's like one, I know you create a lot of workshops yeah. and materials for our partners. What, for, if you're a partner, if you're an end user customer, where do you, where do you start? I, actually, I think um, the content we have on learn of just wrapping your head around, to wrap your head around everything it can do is super good. And I thought I had this up, um, but I didn't. The other one, I don't know. Can we put links? Is there a chat we can put yeah, things in yeah, or um, people to? Yes. Do you see this where it says uh, comments? You can just throw it in, post a comment. I, and that will go to, I believe, YouTube. But it doesn't go to LinkedIn. And maybe Twitter as well. I can't post a comment because I didn't log in and I just showed up. Um, I will share this with you after. But do you the, see the bot? Okay. And this interface, do you see in the right the two people? Right? Comments, banners, brand, two people? People, comments. If you click on two people, that's a private chat, so you can chat it to me, and then I can paste it. I got nothing. Like you don't see two people on the far right of this web page? I see two people. Oh, Yeah, click, click on it, and then there's a chat with everyone in the studio at the bottom. Oh, there we go. So that's a private chat between the two yeah. of us. There we go. Um, so I, I would say a great place to start is our security compliance identity blog on tech community. Subscribe to this, read it. This is where we put everything new that's out there, everything we've talked about today. Um, And it also links to a bunch of uh, pieces that that we like to call ninja training. 
Yeah, because ninjas are as cool as space lasers. Well, yeah. How do you defend? Um, you know how you protect yourself from ninjas? Space, space lasers. lasers. But the, the, the ninja trains are great. So, say you want to be a data loss prevention ninja. There is information all over because what we are awesome at at Microsoft is putting out content for you to consume and learn stuff. Um, so these ninja trainings have actually consolidated all that. So the learn YouTube channels, interactive training guides, labs, all in one place. And you get a fun little certificate at the end of it saying, you're right. a ninja. and it's got that cool. I miss the teams ninja, by the way. I was very upset when that got taken away like a year ago. Remember the old bandit emoji? Oh yeah, yeah. the the little yeah, yeah. they got rid of him. He like disappeared after he did a little slice. Yes, I I miss him. Um, yeah. Again, it, I'm I'm segueing. So this is a great place to kind of get a handle on. It's where all of our new announcements are pushed. So here you see adaptive protection. How do you use the granular controls in DLP? Um, there's one that's interesting for everyone in this. Security compliance Easter eggs in Teams Premium. God, I was, I was hoping you're going for this one and not this one over here. I, I'm like, Easter eggs, that seems exciting. I hope, yes. really hoping you're going for DLP. I mean, I am excited about DLP. But, well, um, right, but Easter eggs is, is they, they're talking my language. Yeah, and it's almost that season, uh, depending on where you are. So. If you look at this, if you've got Teams Premium, the new flashy things that are just out, this is where we can do end-to-end encryption. We can prevent copy-paste. The one that's really, I think, is really actually interesting (laughs) is you can do a sensitivity label for a meeting. So maybe you're doing a meeting and you want to make sure all the chats, all the files shared into (laughs) it, especially with the reoccurring, gets that same protection we talked about. You can do that on meetings and calendar invites now, too. Um, light licensing on this. So, so all this stuff is it? Is is it? It's probably a long, a long answer. Is it all buried in E five? Is it E five plus some preview licenses? Is it Teams yeah, Premium so plus E five plus majority? Some basic DLP and e discovery things are in E three. The majority of this is E five components. So you can buy it standalone as E five compliance. But obviously, me as a Microsoft person to say, buy Microsoft E365 E5. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It kind of is. If you think about what you get, um, the previous stuff I talked about, that's different. That is standalone. And there are a few things in um, purview that are add on SKUs, uh, specifically around things like, uh, I don't know yet. Yeah, you'll see some premium. Oh, compliance manager. If you want to buy more than the five free premium assessments you get, it's you, know, you buy additional licenses for that. But that um, seems like it's the licensing that goes to a handful of people. You're not licensing 300,000 people at your company. You're licensing the 25 or 1,000 people. Not oh, compliance all. manager, you're actually you're paying per the assessment you want. So you only buy it once. All right. Um, some of the, the the looking at the third party stuff like the data in Amazon Azure and GCP and all of that that's on the Azure side so just watch your meters on it um, all of our data governance and data map tools are 
Microsoft Purview tools, formerly known as Azure Purview. So, you know, keep it there. That's where Defender for cloud apps and all that lives as well. So as usual, consult your Microsoft licensing expert on how to (laughs) Yes. Find find a partner who's a licensing expert, not us. Um, (laughs) If you've never looked at it, I know um, there is a former Microsoft MVP that works at Microsoft, m365maps.com. I tend to point people to that religiously as a unauthorized, unofficial source of all things Microsoft licensing. I'm sure a lot of people watching this video are aware of that one. If you like the black theme, M365 Maps is the person for you. Dark themes are awesome. Um, go to, I, I know we're kind of... Yeah, we're about done, but... Go to the E5 Venn diagram here in the middle. Microsoft 365 Enterprise. E5. Down. Down, down, down. Little to your left. Little to my left? Left, left, left. up to. This? Right. One, Venn diagram. Venn. Yeah. There we go. Well, this is super cool. If you ever want to know what product was in Microsoft 365, what was in E5, what was in E3, and how they all overlap, this is a great chart. This is one you need to print out if you have the rights to print this article document based on your uh, classification. But wow, there's a lot to this. Yeah, and you can actually download the this to a PDF. I think there's a Visio option. There's a but, PDF here. Yeah. Like this is a, back when people used to print those big Microsoft posters on their walls. Yep. I would put this right next to it. Um, although it probably will change every three days. So you might be killing a lot of plotter paper uh, doing it. Uh, but you can click on these. It, it, it drills in. But you can see here what's in the E3 suite for compliance. What's in E5. What's part for Defender Plan 1. Um, what are add-on SKUs that you may need to buy? So, advanced hunting. Really I'll stop. Thanks, hunting. Jim. You're killing I, me? Hope you, I hope you found today today um, fun, and, and at least we got to talk movies and space lasers. Yes, it, it and we got it. I you learned something about data security. I, I certainly did. I remember I saw that data sensitivity levels and I came back and I even said, wait, is that where sensitivity labels come in? So I, I, it was educational and informative. And all you folks dealing with teams, like you're the front lines of this. People use teams who share data, share information, talk to each other. So everything we talked about is kind of an underpinning of everything else in, in teams that is out there. Yep. Jordan threw it into the chat for us. So there. Oh, Jordan. Thank you. All right, I got a meeting in 12 minutes. I've gotten four hours of sleep. <clears throat> so thank you for your, this was so invigorating. I didn't even feel like I was tired. So thanks. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> and uh, beat up Martin. I why, he, why he didn't show up. Or, or if we were writing on an old Newton, it would say beat up Martha. On an old Newton, like an Apple Newton? Like the, this from the Simpsons way back in the day. Oh, I don't. I, I, no, I'm yeah. sorry. I am talking to the wrong audience for that. You are talking. Well, you're talking to the wrong person. I've watched a lot of Simpsons. People called me Sideshow Bob back in the days, but I haven't kept up with the Simpsons in like 20 years. Has anybody though? I mean, that was a a Simpsons from like 25 years ago. I think if you were to start 
with season one, episode one, you would be locked up in your room for about five years, just nonstop. And I'll tell people, just start with, watch season four. You will know everything you need to know. Those are the ones Conan wrote. Oh, there you go. I was listening to Conan's podcast last night uh, on the drive home from the airport at 3 a.m. I'm like, I just need something that is silly and I don't have to think and will keep me awake just enough. So I don't tied all these there. random conversations back to the history. Yep. All right, we got to go. Appreciate Bye, it. everyone. Oh, and I, got, I, got, I, got, I got going away music. Where's the going away music? Uh, thanks for watching. Bye. Bye now.